0: Well, happy Adar. We've just started uh, tonight. Tonight is finally Adar 2, which means we got to be really happy because we got exactly uh, two weeks to uh, get ready for Purim. This week's Torah portion is the last in Shamos. It's called Parshas Bakude, which means it's also called. Parsha Chazak, which means the Parsha of, like, Strengthen, which means he finished one of the another one of the five books of Moses. Big accomplishment. And let's see what we got. So, it says, we're, uh, you know, kind of reviewing the whole and, and finishing the whole process of the building of God's house, building the tabernacle, the first temple. And it discusses like we mentioned in the past, this child prodigy, Bitzalel. And when t- talking about him, a little bit unusually, the Torah says it traces him back two generations. It says Bitzalel, who, uh, uh, who was the grandson of Chor. Now, who was Chor? If you remember, Chor was Someone who got killed—he gave up his life in the honor of God—in the uh, story of the golden calf. And commentators say this is at what the Torah is coming to. You, you know, we have this incredible uh, feat this in, of of building the temple. And in yes, Btzalel had many many talents, but for something in this world to have A to have a long-lasting effect, it has to be built with someone who gave up their soul. So B'tzal, even though he was so gifted and smart and talented, but what made him have the ability was he learned from his grandfather, Hur, who gave up his life. And, you know, obviously God doesn't want us to give up our life unnecessarily. God wants us to live our lives, but to make sacrifices in our lives but so, really, what God wants even more than our, using our talents is He wants our, our, giving, our giving of ourselves. And there's an interesting story, which Rabbi Katz, who uh, of blessed memory was the Roshiva in Cleveland, there's a famous story in the, uh, in the Mishnah where there was a man named Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma who lived in a city full of, of rabbis. And someone came to him with a billion-dollar checkbook. And he said, can you move to our city? And I'll give you all the money in the world. And he said, I will not move anywhere. I'm only going to live in a place that's a place of Torah. Nice story. But if you think about it for a second, if this guy has got the billion bucks, can he transport and make the, 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 the town a town full of rabbis? He's got a billion rabbis, so import 100 rabbis. What's the big deal? And there's the question, never thought about it that way. But Rabbi Katz explains, he says, You know what the problem? Because writing a check is relatively easy. The way that what, what this rabbi meant when he said he didn't want to move, he said, I don't want to move to a place that's not a place of Torah. What's the definition of a place of Torah? A place where people use their sweat, blood, and tears to create something. If you just write me a billion-dollar check and poof, you know, that's not going to have something that's going to last because things that last in this world are things that are built with just money and no sweat, blood, and tears don't last. And that's what, you know, if you look back, Right now, the uh, Jewish community, thank God, is you know uh, really has a lot of money. You know, as as a community, the Jewish community is doing fine. But but right after the Second World War, or when people came to America at the beginning of the last century, you know, the Jewish people didn't have a lot of money, but they had a lot of hard work and heart, and that is why we have what we have today. Yes. Resources are important and we should use them, but we can't, we, we know we need that work. And in fact, it's actually, you know, generally speaking, Torah institutions are almost never, you know, have a lot of money in the bank. That's just the way it is. It's, it's, it almost seems like illogical. How could it be? And Rabbi Aaron Cutler once explained he says, that's what Hashem wants. Hashem wants it to be. Not that we should plan it. We shouldn't on purpose try to not have money. But Hashem on purpose makes, when a person's building something that's important, Hashem makes it that a person needs to put in a lot of work. And that is certainly true in a relationship, right? No such thing as a relationship that doesn't have hard work that that goes well. You know, then part of what builds it is people putting in effort. Okay, now this week's Torah portion is when we finish up the whole thing with the, all the building, and there were a lot of instructions. They were many, many, many instructions. And in this week's Torah portion, it says the same short phrase over and over and over again. What does it say? It says that everything was done, Kasher Siva, Hashem es Moshe. Like the way God told Moses to give it over. You know, first of all, we don't have this today, but if you know that God gave you instructions, you would keep it. We the chat, the reason why we don't always keep the instructions is because we don't really 100% believe it or we forget it. But in those days it was very clear. There Moses Moses spoke to God. God spoke to him. And also, why does it have to say it so many times? I heard it said over, I think I heard it from Rabbi Fischl Schachter, but I think many people say it, and it's actually not true. It's not true that it's easy to, to, to do things exactly the way you were asked. Very often, people want to put their own stamp on things. They improvise. The only time you do exactly what you're supposed to do is if you really, really paid attention and you cared, and that is something that Moshe did, and that's why uh, the Torah tells it to us. And part of why he's telling it to us is that we shouldn't take it for granted. Often in in, uh, in life, the we take our we take people for granted, you know, because they think, oh, it's supposed to be that way, but it's not true, you know. Uh, Anything that anyone does takes effort, takes time, takes concern. And you know what? Often those things stop when they are taken for granted. People take themselves for granted. They take their health for granted. They take their life situation for granted. Lesson we learn from this is don't take anyone for granted. Don't take yourself for granted. Don't take God for granted. Although God is always there. All right, next point. So we have this incredible wonder child, solo. But he does have a partner he does have a partner and the question by Rabbi Chaim Zechik asked is that why did he need a partner he didn't need a partner he was brilliant. he was smart he knew, he he did not need a partner so why did he have a partner the Torah made sure he had a partner and Rabbi Zechik explains he said you know why he needed a partner he said he needed a partner to make sure that his ego was not there. He really didn't need the partner. He had all it took to get it cut done. But a lot of times you have people, we all do this, because we're happy, we're happy to, to work and get involved and totally take up our time and be selfless. But often we have one caveat, that we want to get credit. We want to get credit. We want it to be everyone knows that we did it or everyone has their own way of doing it but you want credit and the problem is if you want credit if i want credit that means that there's an ego there and the problem with the ego being there is that that means that you won't be a hundred percent focused on what's well on what's right and that's why hashem demanded that there be a partner to, especially if you look, Bitsala was from a very prestigious family. He was from the family of royalty, Yehuda. His partner was from the family of the lowest of what, quote unquote, lowest of the tribes. Done. And and for someone to be a leader and be able to share the limelight, especially with someone of lower stature, that was the lesson the Torah is trying to teach us, which is a person, I, I just heard a thing once from Rabbi Refson, I think I probably said it before he said as soon as a person doesn't need to get credit for things what you can accomplish becomes infinite because then you're just not you you just care about the cause and you're going to do it you know sometimes a person has to be vigilant I'm not saying a person should never you know there are times when it's important to make sure you quote unquote get get credit where credit's due okay moving along here so at the end of this whole thing it says, So basically Moshe, did he was transparent. Everyone thinks it's a 21st century thing. Well, Moshe was transparent. He did an accounting. They did this huge fundraising campaign, all types of things, and he did an accounting. It says exactly how much was used and to the T. And everybody asks, what was the point? I mean, it says uh, later on, God testifies about Moshe. You know, no one is like Moshe the whole base, on Moshe is trusted with everything Moshe, God had 100% trust in Moshe, so why does Moshe have to do a reckoning for? And the explanation is that it wasn't for God. There's a concept, this is a really important concept in today's day and age. It's called V'hiyisem Nikiem Me'ashem Ume Israel. A person should be clean from God and from the Jewish people. Meaning it's our obligation to make sure that we don't evoke suspicion. We can't say, oh, it's no one's business. No, we have to pay attention uh, to what people might think what we're doing. And here you had Moshe had millions and millions of dollars passing through his hand. He had trust. And, you know, it's possible someone could suspect him. So Moshe went out of his way to, to make sure that no suspicion was evoked. And, and that, that was the main reason. And that's a good lesson for us. A lot of times we, we put people in un- uncomfortable situations by doing something that may look a little funny. but it's really our job. And we say, ah, who cares? Everyone mind their own business. That's not the Torah way. So the Torah understands the way people work. It's pe- people's minds wander. People get uncomfortable. And it's our job to do things to make people—that's why one of the, the the Talmud says someone who is a charity collector is not supposed to go at it alone. You know, I've been involved. I've had, had the privilege of being involved uh, in charity distribution for many years since I was even younger than I am now, and uh, I've I have the privilege of you know two other rabbis who you know uh, we go over we go over you know how much money came in and where the where where the money is going to go. Um, so it's very important because even though does anyone not trust any of the rabbis? I think everyone trusts the rabbis. It's just human nature. People make mistakes, and people are are sometimes do suspect some. Besides the fact that, especially in today's day and age, where you have a lot of people out there out to get you, it's very important to you know to watch your back and, and make sure you have you're not uh, putting yourself in a situation where people could uh, harm you. Okay. Now, another idea is that the yisim, the kim, is that the ends never justify the means. Moshe was showing that this money is squeaky clean. A lot of times when you have a good cause and money's tight, you know, especially in today's day and age, there's many ways to beat a system, to save money, to make money, and Moshe is saying it's never the way to go. The way to go is to do the right thing. I remember when I my first job, I went to Rabbi Neuberger, of Blessed memory, I was in, in Baltimore, and he was alive, and I went to him, and I said, I'm going to be working for a yeshiva, you have one piece, I went around the whole office, all the uh, very prestigious office, uh, front office in Near Israel, and I asked each big rabbi for one, I remember I wrote it down, I have it somewhere, one piece of advice, and Rabbi Neuberger, of blessed memory, Rabbi uh, Rabbi Naftali Neuberger, he said, always do the right thing, no matter what. Always do the right thing, always do the truth, and you're going to be successful. Even if it looks like it's not going to be, and uh, that uh, I always try to do that, and I think it's, it's gone very well. Okay. So we have, the, and they finally they finished all the, the materials, they were ready to actually build the Mishkan, big the tabernacle. And the people started building up, picking, trying to pick up these huge boards, and they couldn't do it. And they said, Moshe, you got to pick it up. And Moshe's like, how am I going to pick it up? So Hashem said to Moshe, um, he said, just work at it. Involve yourself in it. Go through the motions, and I'll make sure it will happen on its own. And this comment from Rashi is really a very relevant to everyone's life. There's something called, we talk about it all the time, Heshtadlis and Bitachon. Talking, means the way God makes the rules. We have to do whatever we can do, but really God's going to take care of everything anyway. And we have to believe that. It means we have to put in our effort. Someone asked me this week, you know, how does your organization run? You know, do you have... You know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. I mean, you have, thank God, you have a number of families who have, who have who have their own kids. And so how do you how do you function in a responsible way? So I said, it's very simple. The way things work is that I have to put in a responsible amount of effort, and God takes care of the rest. But it's really not that God takes care of the rest. God is taking care of everything. And that is what happened here. This is the paradigm. Moshe literally went through, it was almost like a charade where he looked like he was picking up the beings that really the beings were going up by themselves. God just wants us to put in some work. You know, it's, it's a very interesting, fascinating idea why God does want us that. It's good for us. Okay. Uh, it says a famous uh, verse in Chagai. It, uh It's very powerful. It says... Just you do, and I'll take care of everything else. So, it says when the uh, Jewish people were uh, were putting together this the tabernacle, it says that the Jewish people did it, and it says they did all the avodah. Now, avodah, we usually refer to as like the work in the temple... We call our when we when we pray today, we call that it's like service. But really the work that it was entailed to build a tabernacle is really melacha. It's like different activities. So um the Nachmaris points out why do we call it this quote unquote menial labor, the the construction? Why do we give it the glorious term of avodah? and it's uh, the, the Rambat and Rebbechaya point out that this is actually a very, very crucial message about the way the world works perhaps the hallmark of Judaism that's unique and I believe it's unique to Judaism um, is that we say there's nothing that's, that's mundane there's nothing that you can't elevate we, we um, believe that the, every single physical pleasure can be used in a holy way, right? And uh, that and that that's an unusual thing. We take physical and we raise it up. We don't push away the physical. We embrace the physical and we pick it up. And that is what the the uh, the idea is over here. That that we don't we take things. We take things and we and we make them. Into uh, you can. It's really nothing. There's nothing. Sometimes I, I'll have a group of people, and I'll say, I'll share this idea, and I'll say, challenge me. Tell me anything in the world, and I'll tell you how it can be raised to be holy. Uh, people can't even imagine it, but it's true. There's really there's, there's nothing. There's no nothing in the world that 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 Hashem made that can't be raised and be and, and be done. We take wine. Wine is used at every single Jewish um, important occasion. And wine in the world is something which generally causes a lot of trouble. But We take wine and we use it for kiddush and we use it for weddings and and, and we use it at a, at, at a bris and a pigeon up and everything has wine. We have wine everywhere. We celebrate marriage. We celebrate food. You know, there's so many things. Obviously, the Torah tells us exactly how to use it so it's healthy spiritually and physically. Last thing I wanted to share is the Torah ends off this book, very, very last last verse. It says, the cloud of God would be on the top of the tabernacle, and there would be a fire at night by all of their Masahem. Masahem, really, it was talking about all the places where they camped, they had a cloud, and they had a fire. The thing is, the word sayhem means journeys. If we're talking about the places that they camped, where they pitched their tents, why are we calling them journeys? And Rabbi Palm passed away about 20 years ago. He had a beautiful explanation. He said that in Judaism, there's no such thing as a break from the journey everything's a part of the journey, which means even when you stop, stopping is part of the journey. And that, this piggybacks of what we just said, that you would think, one second, I'm on vacation in Disney World. How could that be a holy thing? I'm playing basketball. We believe, you when you sleep at night, Well, all these things, they're not resting places. They don't have, it's not just a break. We believe that Everything is part of the journey if it's part of the journey. And that is what, and that's what it's supposed to be. So a person and, that, and this informs how a person takes a break. Let's say someone needs to take a break, they're playing basketball, and they take a break to catch their breath. Well let's say when they take their, their break from playing basketball, they do push-ups. They're not going to be able to go back and play basketball because they're, right? So when you take a break, let's say a person, let's say, uh, is in shul. And sometimes shul could be long. and You you go outside for a breather. But let's say when you involve yourself, when you go out, it's going to get you totally distracted. You come back in, and it's not part of the journey. So we have to realize we're always on a journey. Sometimes the journey is a break. Sometimes it's not a break. But everything has got to be part of the program. And if it's not part of the program, then you got to make it part of the program. So quick review, all things we discussed tonight, discussed how as wonderful as talents and efforts and money are, the main thing that gives something that's going to last is going to be the sweat, blood and tears that that go into it. We learned how you can't take anything for granted. You know, even if God tells you something and someone does what they're supposed to do, well, things that you're supposed to do don't always happen. And don't take yourself for granted, don't take other people for granted, don't take life for granted. We learned why did this incredible wonder kid need a partner? He needed the partner so he would be a hundred percent doing things for the right reasons. You have a partner, it takes the ego out of the picture. And egos out of the picture allows you to do a lot of things. There's so many things that we don't do because we're worried about getting credit. We're worried about what people think about us. And that's why you see a lot of times you see, I remember with uh, people who get, you know, when a person can get in their mind, some of the greatest people I know are people who just, in a healthy way, just don't care what other people think. Now, obviously, we do need to care what people think. But in a healthy way, people who just don't care. They just don't care. Um, we learned how Moshe, along these lines, did care what people thought. He didn't want people to suspicious to, to be suspicious of him. Not because he cared, because he would feel bad. Because that's it's not it's not it's almost like a favor to people. People's minds wander. They see something look suspicious, and they uh, they they get they, they get nervous. It's our responsibility to make people not get nervous also our responsibility to make sure that money is clean. Ends don't justify the means. We also said how when Moshe was wondering how is he going to lift these heavy things, Hashem gave him the formula for life. He said, you go, you put in the work, I'm going to take care of the rest. And Not only that, I'm actually taking care of everything the whole time. You just put in the work. The Ramban and Bakai explained to us that anything no such thing as mundane. You could turn anything into something that's transcendent. And along those lines, that's why even when the Jewish people rested, they were really journeying. Because anything could be a part of the growing process. And um and that informs what you do when you take breaks. So we're in the month of Adar. And uh A lot of these ideas we said tonight help a person be more happy because the more you trust in God, the more you're not looking out for your ego, you're going to be a happier person. So have a good Shabbos. Thanks for coming on tonight.